0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us to today's episode of Hope Through Grief. My name is Steve Smelsky I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Marshall Adler.
1: Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's doing very well today.
0: Today, we're going to do a part two episode of the follow-up to our discussion with Mitch Carmody, and we had talked about signs, and this will be the part two for that discussion.
1: Steve, I just want to uh, make sure everybody enjoys this part two as much as I enjoyed part one it was fascinating to hear all the different parameters and different avenues that you can see through the eyes of somebody looking for what you probably wouldn't look for otherwise so I think it was a very interesting and enlightening episode one I think episode two will be more interesting and more fascinating for the uh, audience
0: thank you everyone have a good day and listen to the rest of the episode
1: hope you enjoy it
2: Here's a friend at uh, Mary Kenyon, and I do it for five years that I've been going to uh, Dubuque and doing a workshop there. And oh, I have another whole story going to see the Field of Dreams, but I won't go into that. But because uh, <laughs> it was amazing going to the Field of Dreams, which is right yeah. in the small town. You know the Field of Dreams movie?
1: Right, the movie yeah. from, uh, yeah. Jim
2: well, well, anyway, I'll tell you what briefly, because we were at this conference and, and we I said, I gotta go see the Field of Dreams. I whole love the whole movie about it, it was about signs. It was about speaking, about talking to his dad who had died, and on things that had unrequited that had not been all this stuff, you know, and so the powerful grief movie, I loved it when it came out. And so I said, I got to go there and I want to go. We went Sunday morning. I said, I want to see the tour. It was Sunday morning, small town in Wisconsin. It was closed for church, you know, so it was closed Sunday morning. We were driving back from Duke to uh, Minnesota and I parked, but let's walk around and see the field of dreams. So we did. No one was there. Then all of a sudden about six or eight cars come pulling up. All these old farts get out dressed in period uniforms and they start playing baseball. They said, let's play ball. And my wife goes, are you kidding me? What is going on? So we went and asked this guy, what is going on here? He goes, well, they're closed Sunday mornings. They let us use the field on Sunday mornings. and We're, just, we're an old, old, old bunch of old guys that get together for a league. But to see them out by the corn on, in the fall, it was just like—I mean—I <laughs> put a picture on Facebook today because it came up—the uh, memory of four years ago—and I put it up on Facebook because this year there was—they were, they were building a whole new stadium, Field of Dreams, to have a, a Yankees and uh, a Red Sox game. Uh, but because of COVID, it was oh, canceled, nice. and, yeah. they're, and they're and they're—they're tearing it down. Sad enough. But uh, when we were down in in Iowa, the woman who put the group on she said uh, her grandson had died and they're having a balloon release for her grandson. And I do sign language a lot. So she knows I do sign. And she looked up in the sky at the balloon and the balloon release and the cloud looked just like the sign for, I love you in sign language. And it looked up and it was, it looks just like, I love you in a cloud form. And so it's Mm -hmm. again, a cloud form and the sign and the signature from the person. Oh,
0: wow. Mm
2: Uh, this is, uh, again, in this is actually in Madison, uh, Wisconsin. And so I was doing a group there and they're talking, they had a hole in one, uh, I mean, excuse me, they're going to do a best ball tournament to raise funds for the compassionate friends. His son had died and his son, Dan had died. And he said, I'll, they were golf buddies. And he said, I'll never golf again. That was my golf buddy. I can't enjoy the game without him. That's why I played. So I could play with him. Uh, when he died, he said, I gave up golf, but. They were doing a fundraiser for the Compassionate Friends, and he went. He said, okay, I'll do it for my son. I wore my son's shoes. And so I went, and we did a, a balloon release on the, a shotgun on the ninth hole and said, okay, we did a balloon release, and he wrote on the balloon, Stan, if this is real, you give me a sign. Give me a sign on the next hole. Give me a hole in one. <laughs> he went to the next hole, and he got a hole in one. Get yeah, nah. well, on right? Yeah. <laughs> He got a hole in one and he sent me the oh, picture It wow. shows him with his hole in one. And he said, Ooh. I golf all the time because I got my golf partner back.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> wow. Life changing.
0: That is the next hole. after The, next you hole.
2: That. the very next hole. And if you're a golfer, wow. you know how impossible that is. Wow. I, I mean, hard yeah. to get one. The odds are I can't even quote, uh, but actually to ask for one and get one, you know, and here's another balloon release. Balloons are really significant too. But a young couple had died in in Madison, Wisconsin. They were killed in a car accident. They were engaged to be married. So it's a double funeral, double families. And so they did this balloon release. They wrote in the balloon, cowboy and Angels," what they called this couple. Until we meet again, show us a sign. And they did this balloon release like in Madison. Then Amy and the girl was Amy, was was Angel. And so then all of a sudden Amy's mom gets a call eight hours later that evening. And says, What is going on? I just got a balloon. It landed in my yard. It says, until we meet again, cowboy and angel. I, and it said, love I mean, on the and She called Amy's. It was her landed in her cousin's yard in Green near Green Bay, 80 miles her away. Cousin's yard. Mm. It landed in her cousin's <laughs> backyard who didn't know anything about the balloon release. And just said, mm. Why is this balloon in my backyard? Where did it come from? Of course, then when Amy got off the floor and said, Are you kidding me? We let a balloon release in Mm -hmm. Madison. It went to Green Bay and landed in your backyard. Again, that's why this is in the slideshow. I get this from people that say, no one else is going to believe us, but when you put it all together, yes, it's believable because it happens all the time in so many different ways. Wow. And when I talked about license plates, license plates in front of me says, Meg in heaven. This woman who had lost her daughter, Megan, was at a traffic light. Having a bad, you know, you have your bad days, uh, bad moments, and you ask for a sign from your, please give me a sign. And there's something about when you come to a red light and you just bang your head in the steering wheel and start crying. It's just like like being in the shower or something. You just like, you feel safe and you just kind of, oh, you know, I don't have to think about anything for a minute. I don't have to drive. I can just crush for a minute. And she did that. And then when the light turned green, the car pulled ahead and it says, Meg in heaven. And she said, I couldn't <laughs> ask for a sign. And so she followed it for about 20 miles, pulled into a uh, cul-de-sac and had to ask the woman who had lost her daughter, Megan, a year prior. And so now they've become friends with um, oh, wow. each other. So even those are, the, again, the collateral blessings that come from these signs that we don't even anticipate. Wow. And this is my friends in Chicago. There's their only daughter, Jessica. And they were coming home from the uh, conference, and they were at the conference. And, they, and I talked this, and they, they said, we got to show you a picture. I go, what? They go, and we we're coming to the conference. We were, we we're always traveling with our daughter. But now we're coming to a conference, and our daughter has died, our only child. And we had a seat between us. And this woman comes and sits down between us. Looks the one on the
0: right, the The one one on the the right, right. the one on the right. You
2: see here, Whitney came down, sat in between them, and I remember Deb, Debbie, is, our, our friend, said she leaned over and looked at Dan, Lenny and said, Lenny, don't you scare this young girl. Mm. <laughs> Lenny goes, I can't help it. And he showed a <laughs> leg book he had of his daughter and said, Look, honey, listen, look at my. And the girl was going, My crazy. She goes, I have a Vera Bradley purse too. And I was a snowboarder. I was in, in, in league softball playing. I was in accident the same year, but did not die. They're the same age, they look almost identical. Uh, and you can wow. see the screen. Isn't it amazing? And, oh, and so yeah. I've included this in my slideshow for over eight years. And, and Debbie and and, and, and Len go to the, they probably never moved from Chicago, suburban, small town in Chicago, because of the cemetery is just down the street from their house. When we've gone there a couple times, we've gone there, you know, and, I, and went down with my brother, my son-in-law. I had to take him there because we go to the cemetery and we go talk to Jess and put milk duds and a cream soda on her grave and and stick the the you know put Halloween lights up or whatever it is and. Just like we're doing for a living child with not weeping or crying. It's a sad thing. This is just a celebration thing. And my son-in-law is thinking we're absolutely out of our minds and says, so, see you, Jess. Bye bye. Go goes to, goes to see hmm. you again. And we go. And they said, we'll never move, you know, because Jess is always here and that works for them. That's okay. Some people think that that is just, you know, and their house is still filled with Christmas. He died four, four days before Christmas. And so we've been down there many times and all the Christmas stuff is still up. It works for them. And it, my grandchildren love to go to the Christmas house, you know? So they go down there and go, it's always Christmas here, you know? And it's it's a wonderful thing. Instead of people will judge that as being wrong or not right or over the top, or you shouldn't be doing that. You should clean the room out or whatever. But they did had to clean her bedroom out so that my grandchildren can sleep in it. And they said it was the most difficult thing they had to do, but it's probably the best thing they've done in years. And they thanked us for actually coming down there. So uh-huh. all these little magical things that can happen, you know, and Ooh. just from, um, just from one doppelganger sighting has changed our lives. It's just as friends. And so it's wonderful. And this is amazing picture, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Then physical interaction with static objects, things that go bump in the night, noises, moving objects, missing objects, objects, reappearing, reappearing. You don't hear much about poltergeist activity anymore because it's much easier to send a butterfly or a dragonfly or or a red tail hawk than it is to knock a pan off the wall. Uh, But, no one to believe in that stuff before. So sometimes uh, go ahead.
0: It, yeah. So right after Jordan died, he used to wake up with nightmares the last two, couple of years, almost every single night. So I get up, he'd knock on our door. I'd take him back to bed. Sometimes he'd go back before I got in there and he was already asleep. So I'd lay there for half an hour until I got sleepy and then go back to bed. Well, We have his dog sleeps in her bed, little Jasmine. She's a four pound blue chihuahua and she's our guard dog. She watches. She's perfect hearing. I say for the first six months, almost every night, there was some type of noise and it sounded like something fell off the counter onto the floor. I get up, I go in the first night. I took a baseball bat with me. I didn't know who was in there and it was so loud. She'll go, Steve, there's somebody in the house. So I get up, I grab the bat from my closet and I walk into the bathroom, turn the light on. There's nobody there. There's nothing on the floor. There's nothing that fell over. And you would have swore somebody made a noise. So after about two weeks of this, I was getting tired of getting up every night. And I finally quit taking the bat. And finally, Jazz, we get up, she growled. She looked down the hallway at the bathroom. She, I go, Jazz, it's just Jordan. Go back to sleep. So we continue to hear it. After about two months, she quit. She, she, we heard it. She'd look and she didn't growl anymore.
2: And we had that all the time. Wow! And I've heard a lot of animals will recognize spirit where other, where even humans don't. But a lot of animals, we see them barking in a corner of a room or
1: scratching at a
2: door. We Uh, get
1: that right.
2: Yeah, and chase a cat will be chasing something in the room you don't see. Uh, That happens a lot too. You know the. Electrical uh, devices,
0: yes. Marshall's got a few of these. So. We've
1: we've had a lot of these. We we had a number of uh, articles in the paper about Matt. I did a prior um, podcast about Matt's uh, passing, and there was a write up in the paper here in Orlando on a Sunday morning, and Debbie's got a lamp. On her credenza near uh the side of the bed, and she comes out when I'm reading the article about the podcast about Matt. She goes, You gotta come in here. And the lamp had a new bulb, and the lamp never had a short. And Debbie goes, This is like you remember that old commercial, the clapper light, you'd clap and go on and off. This this wasn't a clapper light. And she goes, I think this is mad. I go, what do you mean? She goes, talk to it. So the light's on and I go, mad, is that you? And again, this was the morning that there was a article. It was on the front of the editorial page of the Orlando Sentinel. It was like a very prominent article about this podcast. And I go, mad, is that you? And the light started flashing and then it stopped. And we look at this and we go, are you with Pop and Mamie? That was his grandparents, my parents. It was flashing on and off. Then, as I mentioned, Matt and my mother died within two days of each other. Then my best friend from Buffalo of 50 years, who knew Matt really well, because whenever we went to Buffalo Bills game in Buffalo, we'd bring Matt and would see him. He knew my parents I was 12 years old. He passed a few weeks after my mother and Matt did, so... On the anniversary of Matt's death, since we're Jewish, you do what's called a uh, yord side candle. It's a memorial candle that goes on for a uh, 24 hours. We actually went to Israel and we lit it on the Mediterranean coast right in Tel Aviv. But we went to the uh, Wailing Wall and I put prayer notes for my mother, my father, my son, Matt, my friend, Ted, because they were all connected to each other. So I asked the lamp. I, with Ted also, and it was going on and off. And we were looking at this thing saying, it's not a clapper. There's a new bulb in there. And we had this conversation. I wish we were smart enough to have a cell phone recorded, but we were just so like your jaw drops. And we had a multiple times like this, his, cousin, Russell, was like our third son. He lived with us for years. He lives in Alabama now. And the first Thanksgiving, after Matt's passing, he came for the holidays. And we told him a lot of these things with lights and everything. And he goes, well, well, Matt always screwed with me. Is he going to screw with us tonight? Because Matt was just a really funny kid. And I go, he might. Who knows? So Russell goes to sleep. And I'm in the kitchen area, ready to go to sleep, and there's a, I know the circuits in the house because the circuit breakers, you know, hear this thunderstorms, the circuit breakers are always uh, switching, and switch them on, switch them off to get uh, power back on, and the kitchen lights and the lights in the family room are not in the same circuit breaker, and, excuse me, they are on the same circuit breaker, so whenever they go out, they go out together, so We go to sleep and I turn the lights off and the lights in the kitchen just start, come on. And I called Russell and my son, David, and my wife, and the four of us were in the kitchen and the lights went on and off four times, but the light in the family room, which is on the same circuit breaker, didn't and we're going they either have to both be going on or not going on they can't be independent they're the same circuit breaker and then this past week we have a hallway where we, we come in through the house not through the front door they come through the garage and it's been months now where there's two lights in the ceiling and we'll just they'll say hi Matt how you doing got a picture of Matt there and the light will go on and off And, you know, if the filament was burning out, this would have burned out months ago, but it doesn't. And my son David came home on last Friday, and when he came in, the light was off, entirely off. It wasn't on, and we were just talking away from the on-off switch. Nobody was near the on-off switch, and it just went on. And we all looked at this like just the three of us are here. The dog's over there. Nobody bumped into the switch. We were not close to the switch and it went on. And we go, it's gotta be mad. And then when he was leaving on Monday morning, it went on and off as he was walking out the door. And I know this house, we lived in this house 23 years. None of these things happen with the electrical issues, and you, you mentioned about the things falling. There was a time where there was a picture of Debbie actually. That was in a my wife Matt's mother in a bookcase behind a book or something. It was just stuck way back there, and David was home, and he heard something fall, and he saw the picture on the ground, and we're going, how in the world did that happen? It was behind something, it wasn't loose, and it was just inexplicable. And then, maybe the same night, a very short time later, our dog went to Matt's room and just put her head like in the corner, and was just barking at something in the corner of his room, which she's she's 10 years old she never did that and we're saying all these things together none of these things happened before and especially the electrical stuff it just it doesn't make sense from a, a electrical outlet standpoint because if it's a, a short it should happen or if it's if it's a fake fi- you know the filament's going burning out it'll burn out this has been going on for months and doesn't burn out and it's just these bizarre things is, oh, it's just one little thing, but it happens time and time and time and time again. Do you always
2: say hi, Matt, when it happens? Yes.
1: Yeah. Debbie does. She does a picture of Matt. Yeah. And she always says that. Yeah, she does. And and, and then it's like the, we, we get a responsive on off.
2: Well, in fact, the woman uh, just yesterday, uh, 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 there's a group parents helping parents heal. And they talk a lot about signs where other groups don't talk about it as much um and their conference was conference was canceled too but um she sent me a picture she said mitch what do you think of this and and she has an outdoor nightlight that was just blinking on and off underneath her uh castor bean plant and she said i i was talking she said casey is that you her daughter died casey is that you then it would blink and she goes seriously if that's you casey blink twice blink blink you know, and she has a yeah. movie of it. She yeah. posted it on Facebook yesterday and I, I wrote her back and I said, you know, well, that's wonderful. Yes. And It's underneath the caster bean. The caster beans is palm of the Christie. It's the, that's the palm of Christ. And I mean, there's a lot of other symbolism. I look at everything when I see where it happens, why it happens. And, and I said, and I was going to call my son Casey, like you spell it K-A-S-E-Y is the way her daughter was named. And I want to call him Casey. And then another woman who saw the post, she goes, well, my initials are KC too. And she goes, I've been waiting for a sign for so long. So three of us got a sign just from them sharing that blinking light sign. Wow. And I told her, be sure if you ever see the move uh, the book, I've got the book. It's called Thy Son Liveth. And there's a movie with Sarah, um, uh, Sarah Sarandon, I think in it. But it was written by a woman in the 1800s. No, not 1800s. During World War One, her son was in war in in World War One. But before he went, they lived on the East Coast, or uh, Maine, or uh, Maine, I think. And and he used. They used to mom. They both mom and son would practice with those those lantern things that do the lights. You know, like they used on the ship for the code, Morse mm-hmm. code with lights, and so they they both knew to do Morse code, and then he went into the service because he knew that, and he be got he went and you know on the, in the navy, and he was Morse code guy on the ship with the lights, and he was in over in the, uh in the in the European theater, and you don't hear news back as much, and the lighthouse in the harbor start blinking to the mom. And she goes, she goes, Oh my God. And she started writing the blinking down because it looks mm-hmm. like words. Cause she knew Morse code, oh. And it was, she wrote a whole book from wow. her son, the war saying how it was during the war that he's over there helping. He goes into the trenches to warm up the, the soldiers that need some help. And he's involved in the war. And I mean, this whole thing. And, 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 and I love the, the most important phrase I love in the book, was it? it said mom and mom or he mom asked him well what's it like to die honey i miss you so much he goes mom it's like a young schoolboy jumping out the school door on the last day of school mm. <laughs> that's the best the best i ever heard you know and wow. so it, it's a really good book to look the sun liveth it's all written by i mean a long time ago and, and there's before anything but he talked about signs and again the movie was really good too but Okay, well, go ahead.
1: You mentioned movies because Matt was a genius when it came to movies. He was living in California because he wanted to start his movie career. And so when I did his eulogy, half the people at the funeral were were Matt's friends, but half the people were our friends and never met Matt. So I had to put a lot of movie quotes into the eulogy to – really give people a sense of what man was like. And one of the movies that I used was Ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. And the last scene where he's going to the other side, I put in there is the quote that uh, he said is that the love inside, you take it with you. So... I use that in the eulogy. In the Jewish religion, when somebody passes you, sit Shiva, you have people come over, and it's very helpful, which obviously now during the pandemic we can't do, which makes grief so difficult now. But eventually people leave. And we had people coming in, relatives and family and friends. And after the first night after they all left is when reality hits because you're on your own. And you know, we've got direct TV, we've got a million different channels. And Debbie just says, I'm gonna go back and watch TV. And she just turns on TV and comes running out. She goes, You got to see this. I go, What? And they just started the movie. She just happened to turn the TV on. What channel was it? I don't even know. And it was Ghost, you know, it was like it was the first time we were alone, it was the first time Debbie turned the TV on to watch anything since Matt passed. She goes, "Are you kidding me?" So we just sat. And, we just sat and watched it. It just started, and watched the whole thing. And we go, "This was the first of many, many signs that we saw." But that was the movie that I used. in Yield. You mentioned movies, and then the first time we turned TV on, boom! That was it. Was a nineteen ninety. Yes, I remember it came out. I was old. right.
2: I was bereaved at the time, and any movie that hit me that was yeah. for the bereaved—that was one of them too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so we, let's move on to, uh, Sean, well, cell phone, uh, like a lot of people get signs on their cell phones or uh, 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 now people are getting texting before I, this. I don't think there was even much texting when I got, when, uh, Sean's dad gave me this uh, slide, but, uh, Sean died in a car accident. And they kept the service up on his phone so they could still hear his buddies from college. Say, how you doing, dude? You know, say hi to the big guy for me. And, you know, just college kids are college kids. And, so, and they kept the service up. They could still hear his voice. Well, one day the phone rang and he picked it up and he said, well, yelled to his wife. This phone number looks familiar, but it's all static. There's nobody on it. And, and then she screamed and she goes, well, that's Sean's phone. And they ran upstairs to his bedroom and you can go, slip the slide. His cell phone dialed out at twelve oh one into their house phone at twelve oh one, and he—he's an engineer. He called Sprint, AT and T, Mobile. He called everybody he could find out. They said this is not a butt dial. This is not. This can't happen. Sitting static in a cradle. And he says, "Well, it did." And he—he—he wow. got—he's got up and spoken at Tip Commanders' friends when, when he's been in the crowd because that was it changed his life, you know. Mm. Wow. And now we talk about orbs because orbs are the balls of light. You're familiar with March. You've heard of orbs. They're a ball of light that shows up in photographs. And here, Alan Peterson's wife took this picture of a bereaved mom's group that she was doing. And she said, and she took a picture of everybody. I saw all the pictures, about three or four pictures in a row nothing except for when she said now light the candles and say your child's name and they all said their child's name and boom 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 all these orbs showed up in the picture and yeah. so it's good to look retrospective at pictures a lot of wedding pictures are are thrown out from there because there's white orbs in them or something and and that's a loved one that's, that should have been at the wedding and showed up and but yet people don't recognize it as as that but as a default but it happens a lot I'll show you another one here Oh wow! And This is—I was in Florida again doing a. Uh, there's another uh, group called the, the Afterlife Awareness Conference. A conference, and they—it's all psychics. And I was asked to speak and I was doing grief work, but so that was a psychic solver. Mark Nelson is a, in the center here as a national psychic, and he was doing readings for the people in the room. And if you can see on his picture, everybody in the room that was going to get a reading had orbs around them. And this guy was incredible, but no one I just saw these when I went home because so I wanted to get a picture of him. And I saw all the people, almost everybody has the orb right by them, getting, waiting for a reading. Um, then the next picture is I'm at a conference in the 2010 or 11 at Compassionate Friends in Minnesota. And someone sent this picture to me because I always talk about the orbs I get. And Kelly's color was purple. We set up 300-some purple balloons to heavenward at his funeral because we didn't have a burial. We we sent his ashes to Hawaii, and we just let off balloons, and and purple balloons. And so at the conference, I wore a purple bandana with purple Chuck Taylors, a purple tie, a purple shirt. Mm -hmm. And this purple orb shows up above my head. That someone <laughs> sent to me, and they said Kelly's right up on stage with you. You know, and it's so nice to get that because I didn't know, or I would have never known if someone hadn't taken that picture and known that I'd love to see that.
0: Oh, that's great!
2: So, host embodiment. This is where we get the physical <laughs> physical interaction. Using humans and other life forms. We know energy, whether it's electrical or doorbell or energy never dies. It just trans- transforms into something else. So it's easy to see why electricity is used, but animals are living. We have energy. We have electricity that runs our heart. And so we're, we're connective energy. So uh, it's very, it's not a far stretch that I think we can, these animals come up all the time, whether it's butter, uh, la- butterflies, dragonflies, ladybugs, eagles, hawks, doves, cats, dogs. Whatever I mean, there's so many different ways, but these are the most common ones. And cardinals, the red cardinal is huge for so many people that never get signs or didn't believe in signs. Get the red cardinal. You know, and cardinal goes back to Latin meaning hinge and why they call the cardinals the hinge of the church. And you know, so it goes way back that the cardinals have been assigned for that hinge between our two worlds.
0: We had a couple instances where
2: we had the hummingbirds come around. Oh yes, yes. Hummingbirds are great too. Yes. And multiple yeah. hummingbirds sometimes, which are rare. Or hummingbird to come and sit and which is really rare too. And so yeah, I've had a lot of hummingbird signs.
0: But they hardly ever stay or stay still. They're always moving somewhere. No. And it's not to see I them. Was, I was out front. I was doing something in the yard. It was a couple months after Jordan died. One came up over the roof of the garage, came down to about my eye level, it was about 35, 40 feet away, and it just sat there hovering in the air looking at me and right down in front of it were the red flowers i pr- i planted the red flowers so they would come and it, it it seemed like it was 10 or 15 seconds it it was my eye level looking right at me just hovering and then it went down to the flowers and it came back up, and it just sat there looking at me, and it went back the way it came over the roof of the garage. I, you, I had chills plant, just watching yes,
2: it. It chills, I know. If you plant it, he will come. You know, that's, that's right. like the, the dream. You know, believe and, and plant. And yes, I mean, I, I, I quit cutting milkweeds in my garden on the farm. I, I nurtured them. I miracle grow them. They got six <laughs> feet tall, so I could draw my, uh, You know, <laughs> and I'll that's I'll tell cool. you my my uh, uh, butterfly star coming up here. That's right here. Perfect timing. Luke's Woods. My, This is my picture of my niece and her husband and their son, Luke, 28 years old, had taken his life. He'd had some issues of depression through his life, a real loner. They lived out in the country. He had his own like five acres of, they call Luke's Woods. And so he hunted there, kind of an introvert. So he built uh, tree houses when he's growing up and but it was his area where he just felt the best and and so they put a big sign up says this luke's woods after he died and i couldn't go to the funeral i was speaking somewhere and i went up there but almost a month later which sometimes is really a blessing you, you you can show up a month later uh when all the other stuff has happened you know they've gone through all that and the, the shock has worn a little bit or the, just trying to make do with so many people giving you uh Uh, so much support that can be overwhelming. So we had, I said, we talking around the edges. We didn't sit, talk grief stuff right away. I'm a grief guy, but we did my cousin. I said, let's just go for a walk. I want to see Luke's woods. So we go walking through the woods and walking through the woods. And, and she said, um, I said, do you ever get any signs from Luke? And she goes, monarchs, monarchs all the time. And I said, Oh my God. Oh, I, I, in fact, I said, I have a monarch at home on the farm that I brought in. And I showed the picture of it here on the screen that I, I had pictures on a slide which didn't show up. But I mean, I had gotten this caterpillar inside and I saw him the first time I ever see a caterpillar spin his cocoon, I mean, cocoon or, or chrysalis uh, in a matter of minutes. I thought they took them forever. They just turned their skin inside out almost and formed this cocoon or chrysalis. Uh-huh. So I saw him actually form this chrysalis. And then, it, it, again, it turned that beautiful turquoise and the gold dots on it. And, and then, but it was cur- during this color, it was completely transparent. You could see the orange and the black. And I go, oh, my God, I, I, I want to see it come out so bad. But I got to go drive two hours up to now then, Minnesota, and, uh, to see Luke's wood. So I spent the time up there. So we're up in Luke's and she says the monarch and it reminded me, you know, so we talked, I'm glad we have a good talk, but I'm kind of anxious to get going because I, I want to see my monarch come out. I've been waiting for a long time. And so I said, we got to go. And I went home and I get home and I get in the house and go run in. There's the monarch on the floor. I missed it coming out. It was wet, you know? And I said, okay, well I'll take it outside. like a piece, piece of paper picked it up and gingerly put it on the deck and and then I'm thinking about, well, I was just up at Luke's woods and he gets monarchs. And when Luke was a kid, he was, I used to kid him all the time, you know, Luke, use the force, you <laughs> know, and as he got older, <laughs> he'd get, so, you know, oh, would you cut it out? Twice? It, 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 Star Wars is over, you know, little, you <laughs> know, but I, so I, as an adult, he got irritated when I would say Luke is force. So anyway, I know that would irritate him. And I see this butterfly sitting there. And on the deck, And I said, okay, Luke, use the force. <laughs> and you crawl up on my tennis shoe, my Chuck Taylors I had on, and you crawl up my leg and you land on my shoulder. By God, in within seconds, he crawled over to my tennis shoe, crawled up all the way up my leg, landed on my <laughs> shoulder, and then another butterfly came and landed on this shoulder. <laughs> and I had that picture of it on there. but And I said, oh, my God, I can't – and people have said, oh, my God, that, caught, how can a butterfly listen to you? It's only got a brain of a head of a pin. I said, I know, that's the magic of it. They have a brain the size of a pin, you know. But Luke used that embodiment of that butterfly to crawl up and land on my shoulder. And they said, oh, that must have been Kelly landed on your other shoulder. I said, no, Kelly doesn't usually use butterflies. That was Raymond. And I know Raymond is a friend of my son, Ronald Plockton in Texas, who gets penguin signs. And and I was wearing a t-shirt that Raymond had sent me and said, it's all about love and penguins. And I happened to be wearing it that day. You probably saw it in the picture. And so that was Raymond's shirt. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Raymond later on. And we talked pretty much about a visitation earlier. So let's move past this. Oh,
1: wow.
2: Uh, But an apparition. This is a picture that someone sent me. A A girl was killed in Canada, got her picture to the left. And she's in a white dress, and a young. she was killed, abducted from school. They didn't know where the body were, but they caught the people and said, I don't know where it is, and we buried it, and, and uh, they had a memorial service for her. Well, during the memorial service, they discovered the body underneath a shallow bed of leaves in rigor mortis. And they, at the same time, at the memorial service, this picture showed up in one of those throwaway cameras of this young girl dressed in a pink gown and almost in a rigor mortis position. It just, it's amazing. This is the only one that I see. You can actually, if you see this, you can see through her, the door frame through her arm. You You know, yeah, she's solid over the, over the fiber stringers from the wall. So it's really uncanny. And it was just a young 16 year old girl. I took it from a throwaway camera at the memorial and she goes, my mom thought you'd probably like it. I said, yeah, this is amazing, you know, and this is, so this is about the only, I may have another apparition picture, but I think this is maybe it. Yes, it shows up. <laughs> a young boy showed up in the window sill like behind his, her sister graduated he had died a year earlier. She was going to the graduation again. Tent spirits like to be around family events, and his image <laughs> showed up in the window. He always wore those cut off t shirts and you know your child's silhouette. you know what they look like and the mom said, yeah. "Oh my God, that is that is, I can 't remember his name, but that's him, and there was nothing there. It was just in, in the window behind on her graduation. Mm-hmm. Day.
0: Wow, that's, ooh, wow.
2: And then angels and people just take pictures and it looks like angels. This could be a flash from something. I don't know, but they were planting a memorial garden for uh, one of those angel of hopes. And they were planting uh, flowers around the garden. And this picture of an angel looks just looks like it's looking at them planting seeds, you know, and it's, right. it's uh, just another cool, uh, another cool picture to share. Uh, they have another angel one, uh, the, the picture they sent me, they these boys were looking up at a bird in a tree and they saw this mist come up. That looked like an angel. Wow. Look at that. And, and someone took the picture of it. Still not sure oh, what wow. it is, but. Um, yeah. And this, and this uh, Marshall is what really got me started. Um, uh, because when I wrote in my book, Letters to My Son, and I wrote, uh, Kelly, in February, give me something growing in the yard that I'll know it's you. And I I said earlier, a corn stalk grew up in our yard. Well, actually, three corn grew up in our yard in a perfect triangle pointing southwest. And I'm looking, putting things together. Southwest is where we had the miracle healing in Mexico. And I said, that's Kelly just saying, Thank you, Dad, for Mexico, and and I thought, oh my God, getting corn in a point of an arrow. I, I'm sad. I thank you, Kelly. Um, growing in the yards, a miracle. Anyway, I asked him for it, but then my daughter comes home with school. She's in fourth grade. Brings home a book called The Three Cornstalks, and it was about a sacred. It's a sacred symbol of Mexico. So again, I was validated, and I was fine with that. But then on December first, on his Angel Day, his first one, that first horrible one where it becomes so real because now you're starting to live memories of the death and not dying and prior to. So it's a whole new memory base. And and again, I have to remind you how awful that day is, but a morning dove came and flew at our glass sliding door. And I was looking at it. So I go, what is it? And it's in snow in Minnesota. And I didn't see a morning dove that late in the year before. And I opened the door and it looked at me and I, I I went outside and it kept walking away from me. So I followed it in my bathrobe and I walked out and it flew over the corn stalk. That was in the snow and all the three corn stalks that now had died. And one was laying in the snow and I looked at it There's all it's left and it's like, okay, what am I supposed to look at? And I never would have gone out there unless this morning dove had come to the door. So it, I went over there and I pulled the corn stalk up and on the corn stalk was one ear of corn as big as my baby finger. And when I pulled the horn, it was back. It was all moldy and black. And I thought, I'm just going to throw this down. And I looked at the husk, and it had stained the back of the husk. Capital D, capital A, smaller font, capital D on the end. Clearly says Dad in ink, uh, in in, Mm -hmm. mold ink. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that that changed everything for us. And then, so even my daughter saw it and says, Oh my, my, where's my name? You know. So (laughs) I said, I think he's doing really good using mold for ink. And getting yeah. to me on a cornstalk that I never would have found except in the morning. To, I mean, blah, blah, blah. You could break this down. You'd never be able to find it, but we did. And that promulgated wow. me to write my book, was that sign. And then when I was that, in.
0: That, oh, wow. So that, that Iricorn with, oh, wow. That's what I
2: said. I've got to share this with people that other people can have. I've had the, the other ones that I've experienced in life, and dreams, and the, the Christmas cactus and stuff. But this was a specific request that I got and I, and very legible to most people. And I've shown it to many clerics and people say, Oh my gosh, you know? And so, and I still have the original and it still looks the same, but so here's Raymond. Uh, this is the shirt I was wearing and asking for a sign. Cause I was in t- uh, doing a workshop in Texas and, and we were talking about uh, signs of co- uh, course. And um, I said, you know, be, be bold enough. Like this, I said, ask my son for a sign, ask for a sign, but, be realistic. Don't ask to see a penguin in Texas. <laughs> and this man stood up in the back and says, "I beg your pardon." I go, "What?" He goes, "Well, I'm Ronald Plotkin, and my son Raymond died, and of the of the swine flu when the swine flu came around. He he's mm-hmm. one of the casualties of swine flu. And so um, he said, but he loved." penguins. And so when he died, we adopted a penguin at the Houston Zoo named Ramona. So don't tell me there's no penguins mm. in Texas. And so so we laughed about that. And I said, oh, my God. I, I mean, I was just making a metaphor. And, and I'd never used that before. I don't know why I said penguins in Texas. It just came because we are in Texas, I guess. And, you know, and I, anyway, I didn't even think about it. It just came out. But what happened after that workshop now is that people... All over the country now, on his yard site or on his birthday, they will send a penguin. My granddaughter, on his birthday, sent him a penguin that she won a, a painting she did at the county fair. And she said, and I got first prize. I want to send it to, she calls him Uncle Raymond because he's Kelly's friend. And she said, I want to I want to send it to, to Uncle Raymond's mom and dad. And so, oh, my God, they loved it. So since then, now go on the next slide. You can see, a, a, I think, a picture of their penguin shelf. This is from four years or five years of people since that workshop that have been sending them penguin oh, stuff. Goodness. It happens to this day. People don't know when to send flowers or a card after four or five years. All you got to do is send a penguin. You know, oh. I get Garbage Pail Kids cards once in a while from somebody else. Send me one because that's it. Not a big note, nothing fancy, but you know what that says. So they had to get a whole shelf to hold all them. And I did a portrait of because I do uh portraits. This is my studio and I do portraits of mostly children who have died. And they said, could you please do us a portrait and 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 could you put you know do something with a penguin? And, and he loved Elmo and uh and and he was Jewish so he loved the Jewish religion and he loved the uh he was gonna be a nuclear scientist and he loved tennis and so I put everything in the portrait that he liked and I put him in a penguin outfit. Oh my God. They absolutely went gaga for this portrait. And, uh, my daughter thought, this is crazy, dad. This is, no, this is, this is what they want. So when we did the, the DCF conference in Texas again, it was in Texas, and I said, I like to give away a raffle ticket of a free portrait for somebody from my studio. I said, yeah, just, you know, I said, I got, so two people know what it looks like. I said, Raymond, or, I mean, uh, Ronald. Sometimes I call my parents, kids, their kids' names, but they love to hear it. But I called Ronald I said, can you bring Raymond's picture in to put in the bookstore to show people what they could get for the raffle? He said, sure, I'll do that. I'm proud to put Raymond everywhere. So he brought it in, put it in the workshop. And, and during my workshops, I have a sharing session at the end at night, like nine o'clock at night to talk about signs because there's no time in the workshop. So we talk about signs. Sometimes I go until two o'clock in the morning. Uh, they've cut that out. They made the Mitch Carmody rule because it went too late. But um, we would sit and talk and share. Everybody's 150 people at night, everybody telling their story. And so we're at the front of the ballroom in a corner and pretty people are going. It's getting to be midnight and everybody's lo- leaving except one woman who came in late was just standing there. And she said, I've been waiting and waiting. And I said, can I help you? And she goes, well, I, I missed the conference. I didn't see your workshop. I haven't been to the conference at all. But I wanted to go to the sign one, but I just thought, well, since I'm here, I'll come to the, this workshop. I mean, to the sharing session. And so she said, I just have to tell you, I'm a psychic and I don't tell anybody a psychic when I'm at a brief conference. I'm here for myself. But she said, I just happen to be a psychic and, and I, I, I she goes, I, this may sound crazy to you. And I don't know what your belief is in psychics, but I know you're doing the workshop. But if this makes any sense to you, but there is a young man dancing around behind you like Charlie Chaplin wearing a an outfit. I, go, <laughs> I mean, I, I you, you this you can't be this. Isn't, I I said, have you been to the workshop? Have you been to the bookstore? And she goes, no, it's closed. Everything. No, I've been anywhere. Just here. I said, well, I'll give you Ronald Plotkin's name. You look for him. I said, they're to want to take you to the bookstore tomorrow. And so she ended up finding the Plotkins. Took her to the bookstore, and they showed in the portrait. She goes. That's the kid that was behind Mitch at the work during the sharing session. Um, uh, Again, you can't make this up. You know, a lot of people might poo-poo it because he's a psychic, but she had no idea. Or she couldn't have lied about seeing the book star. But no, there's no impetus to lie at a grief conference. No, it's just just all naturally unfolds at the right time, for the right place, for the right people. Wow. Uh, so prior to death communication, I know we're, are we, are we you guys got to get going and all, or I can run through this no. pretty quick. Okay. We're good. we're good. Prior to death communication, that's, we're talking about what happens before the death. I'm not sure how much I have on here. We'll have to go, go, just go through the next slide and see what we have. December 1st, like I said, is my son's angel day. And then when my granddaughter was born on my son's angel day and the 23rd angel day, and I'll talk about that a little bit later about the psychic that called me. But anyway, that she was born on his angel day. And we always have a birthday party because it's Kelly's angel day. But now it's my granddaughter's birthday, which was huge, huge for us to start celebrating instead of crying all day right. or, or sitting in the basement. You know, we, you know, we celebrated the yardstick candle and a birthday candle. And so it was wonderful to do that. But this year an orb showed up or two orbs showed up actually you can see in the picture one above my uh, sister-in-law, my wife's sister. Mm-hmm. Didn't think anything of it, but then th- go to the next slide. The next year we had a birthday party again, but in between that next, she was again, an orb showed up with my sister and my granddaughter at the, who was there at the, with a cake at the table and my sister, sister-in-law sister had a bandana on because she, in between time, had been uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And then a mm-hmm. the year later, she died. So the orb showed up above her while she, she didn't know she was sick, but her body knew she was sick. Her spirit knew she was sick. And this orb was showing up prior. So,
0: so in this one, she was sick?
2: we didn't know she was sick they're estimating okay. that maybe the pancreatic cancer you know sometimes people go a while with it well mm-hmm. with funny yes, pains does, but... but really don't do anything about it until it's too late and and it was right. too late for her because she just had a low pain tolerance or whatever she didn't know and and so we found out that we looked at this in retrospect again that some of these orbs show up prior to the death which i didn't know and i've had other people now sending me pictures of orbs prior to the death that shows that spirit is hanging around. Uh, maybe even the dreams that you said Jordan's was having, maybe a spirit was coming to him mm-hmm. before he even died, that they were coming to him in his dreams that even spirit looks crazy, scary. If you don't know what it's about.
0: So some nights he'd have two nightmares and he'd come knock on our door and I'd go back and put him. Shelly didn't hear him knock. I'd take him back to bed. That happened for two or three years. He never told us what the nightmares were about. He wouldn't talk about He never them. did. Never told us.
2: I'm getting goosebumps all over here. I, I just, it's. I think it's very interesting. When you first t- told me that before about the dreams, I'm thinking, God, I wonder if some of the, the relatives, the people are going to greet him, or just kind of get familiar with his spirit, you know, to know that he's cool. becoming, you know, and no one knew. He Jordan didn't know he was in a guy, you know, he died from that horrible bug, you know? Right. Uh, so this is the, toward the end, i I got, I got Ke- Kelly's tumor fighting pictures, which I took out the majority of them because we're doing, this is a, for the first part of the radio, but I wanted to explain that when Ke- we, we became friends with, um, um, Bernie Siegel who wrote Ber- love miracle and medicine. And, uh, it was a salvation that book that we had for when Kelly was sick. And so we, he said, have Kelly draw pictures of a Pac-Man eating up the tumor have bind over matter, have him visualize this Pac-Man eating up the tumor. And so we would draw the pictures. We'd send them to Bernie. Bernie would write a note on it and send it to his back. I can't believe that he took out of his busy schedule that time for us. That's huge. And so we had all these pictures. And eventually I went out to to where he lived. Uh, His wife was dying. I went to go visit Bernie at his house. That's another whole story. But he had us draw these pictures. So Kelly, in the the pictures that you can't see, but there's a whole series of them, we thought we had rose-colored glasses on. We thought he was going to beat the tumor, and we're drawing all these positive pictures. But as the pictures progressed, less of his whole body disappeared. Pretty soon, it was just his head. Pretty soon, there was a line on his head just showing a huge tumor in the head and just a small face. And then pretty soon, there was no image of him at all. And then there was finally, he finally did two and one is called the end of pain. And we thought, well, that's what it means. He's end of pain. He's gonna beat the cancer. But when we looked at these, which I took out from his trunk of things almost eight years ago and looked at them in a different light now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm 20 some years bereaved at this time, not just having died. I didn't put anything to it together. These were fighting pictures, these weren't grief pictures. But I see that a child knows intuitively, the spirit knows. It comes out in the art, comes out in the writing. And so his picture that says end of pain we thought was being the cancer really was him dying. And we go to the next picture. And you can see now it was all circles before. Now the bro- circuit is broken. All these pitchforks mm-hmm. in his head because he was having so horrible headaches, the pain was so much, yeah. that finally the tumor, Blew it part, killed him. He signed it, Kelly, and he says the end of pain. So in his case, the only end of pain that was possible was his death because there was nothing more we could do. And so um, the tumor that was undiagnosed in his brain actually was a blessing that killed him because the the tumors would have killed him eventually anyway, but in a lot less pain. And so Uh then he did one more after this, and he drew his picture himself with wings and his little stripes of hair He's got like four stripes, little strands of hair in his head, mm-hmm. got little wings behind him, and he's got a rainbow covering him. And it says God above him with two clouds and a sun. And we go, oh, my God. That, that, now mm-hmm. we look at it. Now he said, end of pain. He went to God. That's what he was trying to tell us before he died. And so it really gave us a downstream comforting feeling that he knew in his own spirit where he was going so we went from end to end. And then I'm going to go to the drawing without showing it yet. When you look at this drawing, but cause I will read the card. My daughter, do- my grant, my daughter then at home, six years old wrote us a card on Easter morning. And she made us green eggs and ham <laughs> for breakfast, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the best she could, we had it set up for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're bereaved parents stumbling out our first, you know, holiday after Christmas and, and new year's and, uh, We sat down at the table, and she made a card for us out of a spiral, little small spiral notebooks, stapled it together in her six-year-old writing. And the cover of it, if you see, looks just like the cover of the last drawing Kelly did, which he did in the hospital. These weren't drawings that Kelly, uh, she had ever seen. These were drawings in the hospital that we put away. But she drew the cover of this card, the same angel with the three bikes of hair out of the head and the rainbow atop. And she said and I outra- uh, to mom and dad <laughs> then page the next one please don't be sad just for me I am happy I I hope you are happy next one <laughs> I love you and I am glad up in heaven but I miss you next one oh, wow. I make Megan do it but I put it in her brain. Next one. And Kelly said, happy Easter, mom and dad. She's writing from Kelly. I make Kelly do it, put it in her brain. At the time we said, oh, how sweet, honey. And we put it away. Didn't think anything of it really. We were just so shell-shocked, numb, that we thought this is so sweet of her to make up this little story. You know, and then years later, oh, we wow. pulled this out and I show. I worked at elementary school and I showed this to preschool teachers and they said, that is not the ability of a child that age. And mm-hmm. the way, the way she said it, I make Kelly do it. I put it in her brain. Amazing wow. downstream message that happened, pro, you know, that happened afterwards, but yet it came from him through his sister, but we wouldn't have noticed it unless we were being aware. Wow.
0: Man, that'll bring tears.
2: Isn't that? I mean when I go yeah. when I uh, I get verklempt when I when I start when I read it every time because it just blows me away that she that that she didn't have the ability. She was just holding the pen, you know, yeah. and and oh, colored the yeah, it's it's a another wonderful divine gift. So now and I'll that go is, to the next one. Go ahead.
0: That is a blessing,
2: isn't it? Well, you can see Kelly's handwriting, Megan's handwriting for you that can't see it. They're almost identical, written the same way, the Y's, the K's. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Then the next one just shows the covers of the card, I think. You see Megan's drawing and Kelly's drawing, how similar they really are Whether she had never seen this as a six-year-old, never even seen this. So the chance of her drawing the same thing, again, is beyond comprehension. Wow. But he was showing her. These visuals,
0: obviously. So, so, when you when we were looking at this one with the rainbow over him, with the uh, three or four spikes of hair, he's got wings. He's and it says God over top of the uh, the rainbow. Then it says the two clouds, and you said the sun or His Son. Oh, did I? No, you said. Oh. Two clouds and the sun. And I was thinking two clouds and his sun.
2: His sun. Oh, I didn't even think about that. No, but no, two clouds. I was just trying to describe the whole picture intact. But there's a lot of metaphors in that. That's another whole thing about sun, and S-U-N and S-O-N for a lot of people. Um, Wow. So then I get the phone call from a psychic medium. A gal from high school calls me (laughs) and says, Mitch, you don't remember me from high school but she goes, I'm, I'm a psychic now. And my son died and I'm writing a book. And I want to talk to you about your publisher. And she said, Oh, but my God, Kelly's coming to me now. and said, congratulations. You're going to be a grandpa. Kelly is going to be born back into your family. First time in my life, I was ever speechless. Marshall. I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I just sat. Thank you, Robin. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I got the phone and I and told my wife, she goes, Robin from high school. Oh, she's nuts. And I called my daughter and I said, Megan, I hold on. but This is what transpired. And she said, dad, I'm pregnant. I mean, I mean, I have a three-year-old to take care of. I'm on the pill. The NASDAQ crashed. My husband lost his job. We're out of our house. Our mortgage was upside down. We had to, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have no health insurance. And I said, we're not getting pregnant. I'm on the pill. And I, I said, dad, she just not. That's okay. I, I, I'm just telling you. Six weeks later, she called me and said, Dad, I missed my period. Mm. I took two EPT tests. They're positive. I went to the doctor and said, congratulations, you are pregnant. Your due date's November 16th. Well, November 16th is Kelly's birthday. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. My daughter's going, how on the flip did this woman know I was pregnant? And then on Kelly's birthday, no less. And so we were waiting for it to happen. But I was, again, speaking down in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. and I missed. I came home and baby had not been born. She was going. They, she was going late. Nothing was happening. They said, "Well, we're going to have to do indu- an induction," and then she went into labor at midnight on December first, his twenty-third angel day, and that mm-hmm. baby was born, and they, a little girl, and they named her uh, Olivia Kelly. And I was like, mm-hmm. "I love it, yeah, Kelly." I just love how they and Olivia Kelly and same weight. Same length, same look, blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, genetics are there as well. But it oh. looks strikingly infant uh, like Kelly. And then they've grown up and uh, she talks about Kelly. She looked like Kelly. We look back at the old records and they were the same birth weight, the same length. I don't remember that stuff. But my wife wrote it down, remembered it. And so uh, now I'll show a picture of Kelly and when he was born. 1979 with me, Holly Kelly. There's Olivia uh, 2010. They look nice. like the same baby. Yeah, and so people would and say, "What is what is this? Is this a reincarnation?" You know, people put it that way when they say it. And our guardian angel. I said, you know, I don't know what to call it. I just call it wonderful. Uh, I, said, I don't, I don't, I can't explain. You know, we're just arrogant, he, hairless apes trying to figure it all out. We don't know. We're guessing for the most part. So I said, I don't know. I just believe that's what faith's all about. You believe and I believe. And this just validated my belief. And so now another picture of her growing up, not, I have probably more, but there she is again. And she talks about Uncle Kelly all the time. She uh, says, Uncle Kelly, this I saw her, my, my best workshop beyond of love, which uh, I could talk about sometime if you want to do a proactive grieving session. But Olivia was out in the yard crying and she was hugging a tree. We come from a long line of tree huggers. And she was hugging this tree and crying. I said, honey, what's wrong? Did you hurt yourself? She goes, no. I go, why are you hugging a tree? She goes, I feel better when I hug a tree. I feel Uncle Kelly when I hug a tree. I go, you do? She goes, yes, and I've been hugging the tree and crying because I miss him. And, you know, it's so weird to have this conversation. He's been dead for 23 years. I mean, no, t- 28 years at this time. She's five years old. And uh, she said, but he said, that he, we're going to start calling you Winnie the Pooh. I go, what? Why Winnie the Pooh? She goes, I don't know. Maybe we should watch it. So we went in and watched Winnie the Pooh. And the whole story of 100 Acre Wood is trying to solve or fix Eeyore's grief when he lost his tail they're trying to fix it, put a ribbon on it, doing all this stuff. Everybody's got a different idea how to fix his grief. And I said, oh my God, this is going to be a great workshop. And now I do it called Grief in 100 Acre Wood. It's about the five different personalities in the 100 Acre Wood. Each one of the different grief personalities from piglet, you know, to Eeyore, to the owl, to the rabbit. And they each have a distinct where they're running from their grief, or they're laughing about their grief, or they're normal about their grief, or they're being quiet about their grief, or they're a Winnie the Pooh. And they just go through life like It is okay. Not because it's okay, but that's their strong suit. You draw to who you are as a person. That's how you get through grief when you draw to the strong suit of who you are. And I'm a Winnie with a piglet rising. I love to go hug people, but yet I like my routine. I'm not an owl to sit in the back of the corner and not say a word. I cannot help myself. So I'm not an owl. And a lot of people are Eeyores and just complain about it. So that's another whole workshop we can talk about. But I want to go forward a little bit. The last powerful sign we haven't even asked for is this sign. And there's a picture of my book. And since I've been going to Florida for 10 years to the Bobby E Foundation, spring and fall, and I've been, and then I, there's TCF chapters. I've driven all around the coast and different TCF chapters in Georgia or in Tampa or, in, uh, uh, you know, Miami and Coral. Uh, yeah, the other on the east side, the Gulf side, whatever. So I'm doing meetings with people. And my wife said, you know, once we're down here, why don't we do something for us? Why don't we get an Airbnb and stay at that great big lake in the middle? I said, you know, I've never been to Lake Okeechobee or whatever it is. It's that great big lake. <laughs> Okeechobee. That's in, what Debbie's Okeechobee. You know, right, Okeechobee. Uh, Okeechobee. And right. I said, let's go get an Airbnb on Lake Okeechobee. So we looked, found one. Buyer beware with Airbnb is that we had this weird little place behind the dumpster at Kmart, a Walmart parking lot, you know, but it was, it was like three acres. So it was spread out, but it was a kind of an eclectic 70 year old artist with one leg. And he said, he said, my wife is dying of Alzheimer's. And so I can't do my art anymore. So I'm airbnb my studio. I said, I'm an artist. Hell, that's great. So we, I, we stayed in his studio and then we looked around and we stayed in there. It was kind of, my wife said, well, it's kind of dirty. It wasn't real immaculate. But I like oddball things. So I liked it. And and then we're going to go outside and it was cloudy that day. And then the sun came out all of a sudden, shined through the porch, which was stacked full of old newspapers in the front porch. And this stained glass window was hanging in the porch. The sun came through and I saw my son's face in it. I said, oh, my God.
0: Mm.
2: And I said, Barb, she goes, what? I go, look at that. And she said, oh, my God, that looks like Kelly. Kelly. I said I know, so I ran his. I ran to the artist's house, brought him back out, and his, you know, with his limpy, with his artificial leg, and he had to come out. I said, I got to show you this, and and I want to buy this. And I, I said, oh, everything's for sale. I said, I'd like to buy this stained glass window, and uh, he, I said, okay. And I said, well, can you see? And he said, did you put a face in there? He said, no, it's just swirled glass. And I bought an expensive swirled mixed glass, but I just made a vase with three flowers above it, and. <laughs> I said, well, I see my son's face. And then we put the book out and we put it up next to it. And he goes, holy, oh, I, I can't believe it. He said, I'm giving you a heck of a deal. He said, it's mm. going to cost you 150 bucks to ship it back. So, uh, which was the shipping place right in the parking lot next to us. So we walked over there, we shipped it home. And now it's hanging in our condo here. And it's just can you see his face in there mm. it's not all people can see it but when it's above the green line you see it i see the nose and it's almost like he's got a dark vagina, nice. you know but the eyes are definitely there and the nose i can kind of see his nose and the lips and you know yeah there's a nose and yeah and so we see it people come over and they see it and it's such a wonderful thing and we lived on the farm for 23 years i think you said marshall you've been at your house for 23 years
1: Right, right.
2: And we've been at the farm for 23 years, had no intention on moving. But on Thanksgiving, three years ago, driving back from my daughter in Red Wing, Minnesota, which is about 30 miles from us on the river. Now we we end up moving to Wisconsin, What am I explaining. We lived in Minnesota. We drive down the Minnesota side of the river, go to Red Wing, see another river town for for, uh, Thanksgiving. My wife had to work. She was an ICU nurse. So I took the went down there with the grandkids, had Thanksgiving, going to bring them back to Nana Papa's house on Thanksgiving night. So we're down there, it's Red Ring. said, well, let's go back to the Wisconsin side. It's much prettier. It's a beautiful drive. And so we drove back to Wisconsin side. And all the leaves were off this hill that overlooked the confluence of the Mississippi and the St. Croix rivers. It's a very sacred spot where the two rivers come together. You can actually see the two different colors of the river. And there's an overlook that's over there. And across the street from there is a 16 condos that have been here for years, I guess. I thought there was an apartment building, but they were covered with huge maples. So you could never really see them. But now it was November it was after, after Halloween, all the, or Thanksgiving, all the leaves were gone and the sun was going down. It was hitting the kind of the northwest windows of the corner condo. There was just 16, 16 units. The last one on the end. They're three stories, and all these windows on the upper, middle, and lower levels. The sun was just brilliant. I said, "Oh my god!" And I told my granddaughter, "I said, when I retire, that's where Papa's <laughs> going to live. Look at that, overlooking the river, the confluence." And my granddaughter says, "Well, Papa, you are retired." I said, "Well, yeah, you're right. Well, I'm going. I retired early, sixty-two. So I, I so I, I went home first- the condo so I could see it, looked down at it, got an address. And so I I got the address and I put the address into a Google search. It came up in a real estate company for sale. There was no sign or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, call, I called it and a woman says, how did you get this number and find out about this house? She said, we just listed it two hours ago. I said, mm-hmm. I just I just know that. I, I mean, and I, I've counted it just a matter of seconds, driving down a hill that I happened to look up and see it. And I said, I I don't know. I just, I, I just have to see it. So we went next day on Black Friday and we looked at the condo with my granddaughter and my wife. And my wife goes, why are we looking at a condo? I said, I told you I want an art studio that overlooks the river someday. Well, this is three stories and it overlooks the river. Maybe I could set up a studio in there. Let's just look at it. So we looked at it. And as a man, I didn't even look in the garage or the water heater or anything. I just said, okay, I want it. The studio downstairs would be perfect. The look of the river is perfect. I like it. We can sell the farm. And, and, the, <laughs> and the woman says, well, okay, you want to think about it a little bit? I said, no. I said, how much are they asking? And I said, okay, I, I bid $3,000 underneath what they're asking. And I said, I'll just, I'll put this bid in. So we did. And my wife still thinks I'm crazy. We had not planned to move or do anything. 23 years on a farm. We had horses, you know, we had three horses. I, uh, and, and so, but I put the bid in. On December 1st, Kelly's Angel Day, 30th Angel Day, the people called us and says, we've accepted your bid. And the real estate agent said, I didn't tell you after I talked to you. She goes, my son was also born in 1978. He died 15 years ago. So I know how important this is for you. And she goes, I can't believe your son found this for you. And I said, I can. And so when we finally get this piece of glass from Florida and now hang it, uh, this is his, like his third. This will be his thirty third year, December first now. And it's and I've I've been like nice. retired from a lot of other things. It's been a huge uh, uh, turning point in, in doing stuff in our whole life. And it's like Kelly said, Dad, you've worked hard for thirty two years, and on my journey, it's time for you to take a rest and and just do your artwork. And I've been doing pencil sketches. You can see some behind me and the pencil sketches I've done for thirty years since he died. Now I'm doing color. I bought colored pencils and I'm doing colored pencils and I don't, I'm not doing grief portraits anymore. I'm doing less grief workshops. COVID helped do that. The collateral blessing of that for me was not traveling and getting to like staying home, working in the studio, working on my third book and knowing that this is Kelly where he wanted us to be. And even my granddaughter say, Kelly wanted us here for sure. Papa, you know, and look at that glass. It looked like him. And so, that is, this is kind of the end of the, of, of the slides. Cause I want to show after 33 years, it still happens, you know, when we hmm. listen.
1: Wow. That's fascinating. I mean, the whole. Visual seeing this, the stories, you know, it's, it's sort of like a. Um, jigsaw puzzle. I I've, I've said this before. I was, talking about Matt's passing by suicide, but I think it actually relates to these signs. It's like a thousand piece puzzle on your dining room table and you got to look at it and see which pieces fit and they start fitting together and you go, I never saw that one fit there, but yeah. now it fits oh there. was like that and looking we things like that.
2: We are on the same page, Marshall. I've said that. I think I can run a blog about that puzzle piece thing that for me when once you in in your grief, once you get the corner pieces in, then you know you're on your way. You know, but it takes it takes forever to get those corner pieces in. But once you do, then it's time you don't even know what the other pieces were or what they were back then. But when down downstream you start to go, that's why that happened then. That's why that happened then, that's why that happened then. That happened then. And when this happened, this was the last. This this piece of glass was the last piece of the puzzle. My wife and I both said he said we are back to where we were before wow. he died. We don't f- We we thought we'd never be able to say we're back where we were before before Kelly wow. died. That with so we almost hundred percent, not totally hundred because we still have our 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 days. But right. it because Kelly is so with us all the time in every respect that we're not grieving his loss because he's not lost anymore. But it's taken a long time, you know, to get to that point. But other people—that's why I want to do this work. I mean, still do the whispers, and so people can get to that point earlier than I did. You know, that I—I you know, didn't have to drink a case of Path Blue Ribbon every night for a couple of years. You know, I—I I, I could have had help earlier on by listening, help for my son. You know, so that's why it's important to to share this work.
1: Oh, it really is because you know you just see pieces of your own. Like the stories you were telling, like I, I've told Steve this many times, like I dream about Matt every night, but not every night does he. do I see him. And sometimes he's, he's, we've had conversations where it's not a dream. It's like a real life conversation that's happening now, even though he's passed, we're interacting with each other. It's just a different form of our relationship now.
2: What does he look like? you see him in the dream?
1: Yeah, yeah. he looks like an adult. He was 32 when he passed. He'd be 34 now. And it's funny how different people see different things. Like um, my son David, I think he told me he had a dream when they were little. And, you know, it's Florida. Through the summer, there's... Thunder boomers every day and you play outside, you got to call the kids in because it looks like Armageddon's coming. Just a big, huge wall of water, lightning bolts. And you know, it's not good. So he was out playing with Matt. And when they were little, Dave used to get scared and, and he used to run into Matt's room and they'd sleep in bed, same bed together. Matt always let them sleep in the bed together. he was a big brother taking care of them. So they were out playing and they were little and I guess during the dream they grew up and they got older, you know, it's a dream and Dave saw the clouds coming in and it was dangerous to stay outside. He had to go inside. And Matt said, yeah, you got to go inside. And so they started walking and Dave was going inside the house and Matt wouldn't come in. And he goes "Matt, come on in. He goes, no, you go in. He goes, no, you got to come in. He goes, no, I, I can't come in. You got to go in. And then he, he woke up like he was just sort of, Mm-hmm. protecting him, but he couldn't go in the house with him. And now I've had dreams. It was weird because when I format passed, I used to sometime dream when he was alive that he passed away and I'd wake up and say, God, thank God that was a dream. Now I dream that he's alive and I wake up, and he's not. It's flipped. So now I had a dream a few weeks ago where Matt said this didn't happen. It it it, it was it, it was a dream. you my dog in the Apologize. It was a dream that it didn't happen. And I think I I kicked up and told you off. Air or not, when Dave was home, I saw his figure. I woke up. I was definitely up. I wasn't dreaming. I literally made sure I was up, sitting up right, and I was awake. And I saw his figure go by in a flash in the mirror. And it was absolutely positive. Like I said, you know your your, your child's outline. You know what they look like from the side, the back, whatever. You know what it is. And I told Debbie, it was the second time I saw One time I saw him leaving the room, which would have been to the right of my bed. This was in a mirror to the left of my bed. I don't know if he was in the mirror or in front of the mirror, but I saw him in the mirror. And it was just shortly after where he told me, well, this didn't happen. And maybe in his sense, it didn't happen. just a different form. And so I'm trying to put all these pieces of the puzzles together and trying to stick them in. And the fact this happened when Dave was home and the lights... Again, it's all, all just different connectors. pieces of the puzzle trying to put yeah. in there. Yeah. you're doing
2: some good work early on in your grief, Marshall. I mean, that is putting a lot together, and uh it makes a lot of sense you know it,
1: it, it's 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 funny because um with Matt's passing, I just knew I'd spend the rest of my life trying to figure out what happened. I just like my analytical mind, I sort of like to try to figure out the answer. And Matt was really funny, hilarious. He just had this incredible sense of humor, but he was unbelievably intelligent, super smart. And he always liked looking at things. And he would always come up with a different um, take on what I was looking at. And I could, geez, I never thought about that way. And it's sort of an interesting way to look at that issue. And now I almost feel like, You know, I spent my life trying to teach him things during his life. Now he's teaching me things during his afterlife. The sort of oh, a, a a great, to it. That,
2: when you said the teacher comes when the student is ready, you know that really applies here too. You know, when we're ready, then the, our teacher will come. And Kelly, you know, in fact, I never had it. I always wanted to have a full blown dream, dream of Kelly like I did with my dad, and and I never really. It's always been signs, but never really a conversation with Kelly or anything until again when I when I published my the, the second edition of my book, um, where I had sold them all, so I did an expanded edition, is the one you see here, and when that was published, then I had a dream of Kelly and oh my God, I, I, I wasn't even sure it was Kelly at first. But I knew it was Kelly, but he, I am notorious for not just wearing a pair of shorts in the summertime. You know I mean? I, I'm always just in shorts. And so I'm always shirtless. And so in, in this dream, I'm standing in a library, like a bookstore or a library and I'm shirtless. And i this woman comes up and she goes, my God, you have guys, and you guys have an incredible story to tell. And, I go what? And then I look to the left of me, and Kelly is standing there, shoulder to shoulder, no shirt on, muscular-looking mm-hmm. kid, probably about nineteen years old, you know, and his hair is like uh, uh, short, but got like like when African Americans have those little jagged lines, you know, carved into mm-hmm. their, you know, he had like these jagged lines of arrows carved into his hair, and he, did, it, but he looked so grown up with his shallow cheeks, not a puffy prednisone face, and and he just look, it, he looked so puzzled. <laughs> You know, and he said, Well, I don't remember much of it anymore, Dad. And I said, That's okay, son. Other people do, or whatever. I can't remember what I said. And then he disappeared. But it was just the happy look, but yet puzzled, like, Why is this woman asking? You know, it just seemed like this is normal that we should be talking together, he and I. And it was just so I, I love that. And that's the only few seconds that I had of seeing him. Wow! What? Yeah, what? Because I've always heard in all the dreams, or people to talk about that usually, especially with kids' dreams, when they see somebody, if you, they come in the age that they were the best, they'll see grandpa when he graduated, when he got out of the service, not when he got out of the nursing home. They will see, you know, people at their best, not at their worst, in their dreams, and. Maybe if there's a nightmare people see him at their worst, I don't know. But I never had any dreams of him in the hospital or anything at his worst or how awful he looked toward the end. I saw him as a full-fledged, bustling teenager, and ah, that that felt so good.
1: Wow. That's great. Well, I I cannot thank you enough for being a guest and telling us these incredible stories because, you know, sometimes you go through the grief process, especially when you see signs you think yourself did that just happen and when somebody else sees it happen it's actually sort of good because it's a confirmation it just wasn't you going off the radar screen and we've had multiple 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 issues with especially with the lights and and things like that where debbie my son david our nephew russell we've all seen these things and, and we've all been there. We're looking, saying, we're all awake, right? We're not dreaming. No, we're all awake. This is not a dream we're having. And we're saying we all saw this, right? We all, And we all say what it was, and it was exactly what we thought it was. So hearing it from you, you've obviously done such a great job documenting this. I mean, you're really like an expert with this field, which is amazing, which is just fascinating to me. Because again, three years ago, I would have said... It's interesting, but I don't necessarily believe it. I absolutely, totally, completely believe it, not as a matter of faith or wishing, but to me, it's empirical evidence that I see with my eyes. I'm a very cynical guy, and I just think the, it is what it, all I invite cynicism. Do, do. I
2: love cynicism. It gives, it gives more validation to the reality of something when you have a cynical view, you know, that yes, no, you know, prove to me, doubting Thomas or whatever right. in the Christian Bible, you know, prove it to me, you right. know. And, uh, so yeah, I, no, I love that because it just makes it more valid. And, and, uh, I, that's why I want to keep doing this part of the work. But even though I said, I was going to start doing less and less whispers of love and more about proactive grieving, because I was under the impression that most people there's books about it all over the place now. And people have wanted me to write a book and I, you know, writing a book, it's like a man giving birth to a baby. I, you know, I did, it (laughs) you know, I've done it twice. You know, and I'm going to do a third one, but it's going to take forever just because I'm joining the dialogue with Kelly. I may not even publish it. I just want to write it because we're, we're conversating, you know, and I'm loving that. But to actually publish it again, I don't. And, and Whispers of Love now has become almost a, a term and people are talking about it more. You're, not you know, embarrassed by it. But yet there's still a lot of people that are on the house. So it's still an important subject to bring up. I, I, I just I assuming everybody is on board with it now, but maybe they aren't.
1: Well, you've got you're you're such a great ambassador, and you've got a great sense of humor. And I was going to tell you at the end. You, you said a lot of like to me. You know, all my grandparents were Eastern European immigrants. I'm my parents were first generation. I'm second generation, and they all spoke Yiddish. And you, you mentioned a few Yiddish words. I don't know if you, you said for klemt to that, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned a few. You said site, You know, which it's interesting because. To me, the one thing about Judaism—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's interesting. My my son David mentioned something. He said that um, Matt's passing was probably the most Jewish thing that happened to our immediate family, because the Jewish people have had such tragedy. I mean, you just you look back through history. You know, we went to Israel on the York side of Matt's. Passing, And, you know, we went to Masada, a thousand years, mass suicide, because the, the, they, the Jews didn't want to be taken by, by, the, by the Romans. And then you go through Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, the Holocaust, it's just, and a lot of tragedy. But out of that tragedy has always been a sense of survival and a sense of humor. Which to me makes all of this journey they were on and this path of life worthwhile. And I think with you, I can really sense that a lot. You have a sense of survival and a sense of humor that makes you a great ambassador to tell these stories. Well, thank because you. And when really I well. meet
2: people, significant people like those puzzle people in the life uh, in our life that help us on this journey. And what is the term? Is it Bisharit or Bisharit? You feel like you've met this, not necessarily a mm-hmm. soulmate, as mm-hmm. I think it's taken in some respects, but just that significant soul person that you're just supposed to meet, that synchronicity or serendipity. And and so I love the terms in, in the in the Jewish faith, you know, and and I, I make schmaltz, too. I love schmaltz.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ronnie Plotkin calls me, he goes, you're the only non-Jew that I know that makes schmaltz. And I said, I, I like schmaltz. I know it's good for you. You
1: know well I, we're all related I, I said the I've said this joke before I said you know I had so many friends of mine that I grew up uh, Christian whether Protestant Catholic whatever and I always say that uh, you know we got to remember Jesus was Jewish I said there's three ways you know Jesus was Jewish number one is that uh, he lived at home till he was 33 number two is he went to his father's business and number, th- <laughs> and, and number three his mother thought he was God. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you see, you know, he was Jewish. So you, you, we got to use his humor.
2: Oh, you got to use that humor. In fact, Ronnie Plotkin, the father of the penguin guy, he's Jewish. His son is Jewish, you know. And he said, his son, it said, my goal in life, he said, I want to be the first Jewish pope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I've talked to him about some of my, you know, in, in, in sitting Shiva and all of the benefits right. of that. And, but, and how do you say uh, the uh, uh, uh Chazad, that, that that love for humanity and for the infinity of God. And what is that? Do you know how to say that? What that
1: well, word is? The, well, the Siddaka well, is, is charity and doing good things. So many of the Yiddish words, there's Hebrew and then there's Yiddish, and they're sort of written the same way, but they're different. You know, Hebrew is from thousands of years, ancient, and you know, from from Jerusalem, and Yiddish is a former German, Eastern European, after the Spanish Inquisition, 1492, the same time where Queen Isabella was sending Columbus to um, discover the New World, she decided to throw out all the Jews, and, and either had two choices, you had to leave Spain or convert to Catholicism, or the third choice is get killed. So a lot of the Jews emigrated to Eastern Europe, Germany, Poland, Russia, and they needed a language to communicate with each other. So Yiddish came out of that. It's a, it's a, it's a form of German. Oh, I really, okay. I didn't know the difference between –
2: like Takum Takum. – what is that? Takum Olam. I love that. For, but Band-Aid the World, whatever it is. I
1: mean, what is – A lot of the old phrases, I mean, I, I – the ones that – I've said this before, you know, the high holidays – are the most important part of the Jewish uh, religious calendar. And they have Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year, the Yom Kippur Day of Atonement. And there's a part in there that I've read my entire life, which really resonated with me after Matt's passing, is that it's, it's already written, who shall live, who shall die the coming year. And as you get older, you know, you realize you're given so many breaths on this planet and when your breasts are up, you get no more breathing. We've all got that number. It's a finite number for all of us. Some are longer, some are shorter. And you know, it just shows you it's not the number of breaths you have, it's what you do with those breaths. And I think that's what all of our sons did the most with the breasts they had. And for that we have to be thankful.
2: Yes. And and for the most part, I talked they when they go early like that. They've lived a, a, a life where they affected so many lives. They were a right. shining star. People love them. They walk into right. a room, it would glow. People said, "My God!" There, and I, this is not just because there are children, but I've talked to so many people that I believe that yes, that and their friends would say that, "Oh my God!" Right. You know, when Matt walked into a room, everybody smiled. Right. You know, right? And, right. And so it's a special, yeah. And I, I'm so glad we got to do this. But I got to go check on my, uh, my. I'm smoking some pork.
1: Okay, is, is that legal? Is that legal in Wisconsin? You're <laughs> rolling up. I'm in a condo,
2: uh, and I, it, but I always say it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> okay.
1: well, listen, thanks so much. I really enjoyed well, it. It, was it was great to meet you, Marshall. Let's stay, stay safe and stay well. Okay, okay,
2: thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye, we'll Dave. Take care,
1: take care.
0: Goodbye, Mitch, and thank you for joining us today on Hope Through Grief and our discussion on signs with Mitch Carmody. Please look for part one of this uh, episode, episode 21, coming out with Mitch and signs next Thursday, and we'll have part two uh, of this signs with Mitch Carmody coming out the following Thursday. On the following weekend, we'll release the uh, video – of these recorded uh, sessions so if you're very interested in the discussion on signs with mitch carmody please check back on the youtube channel and we'll have the videos available so you can go back and actually see what mitch was referring to as we talked about signs during the episode thank you thank you for joining us on hope through grief with your co-hosts marshall adler and steve smelsky
1: We hope our episode today was helpful and informative. Since we are not medical or mental health professionals, we cannot and will not provide any medical, psychological, or mental health advice. Therefore, if you or anyone you know requires medical or mental health treatment, please contact a medical or mental health professional immediately.